you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be home base for us this morning. <clears throat> Christy and I were talking in church um, during the sermon. It wasn't here. It was years ago at um, Travis Avenue Baptist Church. I think Evan was our only, I don't even know if Luke was born at that point. Evan was in the nursery. And we're talking and we're kind of... Um, Luke was probably born, yeah, he would be born if we were in Fort Worth, but they're both in the nursery, and Christy and I are, uh, t- tended to go, typically went to the early service at Travenue uh, Avenue Baptist Church. We, we were part of the, the young adult ministry, so that meant our class meant during the, met during that second hour, so we always went to the first service, <clears throat> and uh, the first service was kind of in a contemporary kind of service. You know how that kind of setup is, and a lot of times churches have different flavors depending on the service. And we were talking, and uh, actually I was talking, Christy wasn't, so I'm, I'm the one that's really to blame. But I, I turned to her in the middle of the sermon, and I said, what are we even doing? What even is this? Okay, and it wasn't a critical, critical kind of question, like I was somehow disapproving of what we were doing. It was a question that led to a series of other questions. Going, what, what even is this thing where we get together weekly, And where somebody reads from this book that's ancient, we hear some words that that may or may not help us, we believe will help us, we sing some things, we get together and sing. Where else do you do that? I mean, just really think about this is one of the most bizarre things in the world, where people get together and hear somebody speak for 50 minutes, maybe, something like that, and sing together, and we hug each other. And all the, we have a meal together. It is really a unique thing. So we were sitting in there, and I, was, I turned to her, and I said, what even is this? I was at seminary. I'm in that place, in that environment, where hopefully you're asking those questions. What even is this? What are we supposed to be doing was another question. They had, who's this for? Is this for a lost world, what we're doing right here? Or is this for the found world, the folks that know the Lord, so that then they can be equipped and go engage a lost world. It's, it was an important question, or an important series of questions, I think. Those questions kind of carried over into our context here in Greenville, Texas. I think they fostered us asking and answering some questions that I think we traveled as we left Fort Worth and we came here to Greenville, still asking and still answering. And last week, I, we just considered one question. Why are we even here? Why is Crosspoint Fellowship here? 98 Christian churches, why do we need a 99th? It's an important question. And I think in the years since our church planted 16 years ago, we realized that we have planted in a community that has largely neglected the bride of Jesus. We live in a community where most folks that we know and work with say, I'm totally cool with Jesus. In fact, I like him and maybe even love him but I really have no use for his wife. Really none. Unless somebody's sick or unless somebody's dying or unless somebody's getting married. I really have no use for his wife. So we asked, I think last week, hopefully we dealt dealt with it faithfully, is why are we here? We're here to hold dear something that's dear to our Lord, and that's the bride of Christ. We're here to be part of her in a meaningful way, to be about her beautifying work of readying for Christ's return. 
and to lovingly, not in a way that's condemning with our brothers and sisters in our community, not in a way that's condemning with our neighbors and friends, but in a way that's hopeful and encouraging, saying, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, if you love the Lord, you're missing out on really a wonderful journey if you're not part of a local body of believers. Hopefully, that's our reason for being here, because I think that is our field. Our field is a community of folks that don't love the bride. This morning, we're going to deal with a second question, is what are we doing? What are we even really doing? Uh, back in 2005, I, I was able to, I, I keep a, on my computer, I keep a history of all the sermons that we've preached over the years. And I looked back at 2005, I believe that's the time that we first had what we called a membership covenant and a membership uh, a sort of ceremony where we all together said, hey, let's be this people. Okay, what was conditioned around that 2005 period uh, were lots of times together dreaming with our leadership across Point Fellowship. At the time, uh, we weren't elder-led at that point. We were led by a group of, um, or we, we may have been just barely elder-led. We were initially led by a group of people called staff bearers, and that's from uh, Moses holding up the staff and uh, Aaron helping him hold up, Aaron and, and Caleb and Joshua helping to hold up the staff so they could win the battle. So we had this sort of pre-elder group that we called staff bears. And we together dreamt of what our church might be if we just said, let's do something rad. I mean, just something crazy. Because we're starting from scratch. Scott was part of these conversations. Brad was part of these conversations. Where we're saying, let's just go crazy. Let's do something that might mean we never grow beyond the ten of us in the room but would be so potent and so awesome that we'd just be so delighted that we couldn't, couldn't stand it. And we, so we dreamt together, and this sort of fed the notion of a covenant in the first place and then a renewal every year. I remember when we first had that conversation, what would it be like if we had a membership renewal every year? Because, you know, churches carry membership roles where people are either in the graveyard, not visiting loved ones, but the loved ones being visited, are they've moved? Or they have no use for the church and they only show up when they find out there's somebody going to be voting on something. So we said, what could we do? What could we be if we said, let's, let's hold out this thing that we believe is a biblical standard of what it means to be part of a local body. And what if we renewed that every year? And said, yes, we recommit. We recommit. We recommit year after year after year. It was kind of scary, and it was kind of, you know, halftime. Scott and I joked a lot about having to sell Kenny's shoes. We might be this far away from having to sell Kenny's shoes. I moved to Greenville to plant a church, but I might be out of, out of a job because lots of church plants fail. Lots of them fail. And it was sort of exciting and sort of frightening for us to go, man, let's do something totally rad and just see what God does with that. So this morning, you're actually, I'm going to share with you some of those rad notes from 2005. Those rad things that we came up with. There's really just four of them that I'm sharing t t today. There were more. But today I'm just sharing four of them. And what I, they all come really from, from Ephesians chapter 4. Or, or they're implied from our passage here in Ephesians chapter 4. And really it's the product of a bunch of people, a few people getting together around their Bible and starting from scratch in a church plant and saying, let's do something crazy and see if we can pull it off. And maybe we're naive enough to believe that it could actually happen. I think we were then, and I hope we're still naive enough to believe this can actually happen still. Okay, so here's a passage. I'll go ahead and read our passage, and then we'll climb into these four things. I'm going to read a passage, and we'll look at the first three, 
And then I'll read the rest of the passage and we'll look at the fourth one. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, you people, we're going to gather up some of the things that we gathered last week, all y'alls, okay, y'all, you people, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which y'all, you people, plural, have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Okay, this was an important development last week. I think it's important developments for us to, to remind ourselves of this, this morning. This gathering of these individual people in the local body that are caught up as a bunch of y'alls and a bunch of you peoples, a bunch of plural references here in this passage, gathered up into one body. Okay, You're going to see this develop over the course of the rest of the passage. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, it was a tradition, or a, a typical thing for a king or for a general after he returned from battle that there would be a parade and a procession into town into the palace or into the the wherever he lived and that in that procession part of that procession would be the uh, the bounty and the spoils of the victory would be passed out and given to the crowds and to the soldiers and also part of that processional would be the captives okay so he's developing this picture of this victor named Christ and this warrior king victor named Christ that's in this parade and he's leading a host of captives. We could say sin and death and Satan are part of those captives. Amen? I mean, anybody want to agree? Yes, yes. Thank the Lord those are captives that our victor, general king, has in his train. Sin and Satan and death. And then what also is coupled with that is he's throwing the spoils and the bounty to the crowds around him and to the soldiers. And in this case, that's us. So let's see what he's throwing and passing to us. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. The bounty and spoils showered on the troops and on the crowds. Jump down to verse 11. And he gave some of those spoils and the bounty he gave to, or he gave as uh, these are the, the gifts that he's passing out to the crowds, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There's plural saints for the building up of the body, singular, of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Okay, a couple, I think I did it last week. I, if, if I didn't do it last week, I'm going to do it again. I just want you to envision a man standing, like a real literal man standing, ideally a healthy man. That's the, 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 the image here. Okay, I started the morning with the introduction of this sort of metaphor of Christ and his bride. That's a different metaphor than right here. This metaphor is Christ as the head and the church as his body. Okay, so we're switching metaphors to now Christ as the head and the church as the body, a singular body. And in this case, ideally, if it's healthy and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, then it grows up into mature 
manhood. So mature, in fact, that the next, verse, or next passage says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, if you want to know what the standard is, what the goal is, the hope is for this body, this thing, this collection of all y'all that's gathered up into this one body, that's the body of Christ, is that we grow up, that we fit the head. Okay, that we're not some sort of disproportionate, weird creature that has this wonderful head, Christ, and this malnourished little baby body because we haven't done what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to do. That's what he's saying here. He's hoping that these gifts that have been showered on the local church will be used so that we will grow up to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and not disproportionate so that we may no no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that vision, that visual I'm giving you, is joined together and held together by every joint with which it's equipped when each part is working properly. Makes the body grow so that it, the body, builds itself up in love. Okay. This first thing, there are four things. The first three are just going to come from this passage right here. The fourth will come from the passage that comes right after it. Here's the first thing. Membership to us, this rad notion in 2005 that I still think is just so awesome and might still be rad, I don't know. Membership means that we want to serve the community of faith at Crosspoint Fellowship through our areas of giftedness. Building up the church matters to members at Crosspoint Fellowship. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 again. Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, these all, these plurals, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This passage over here, this notion of this victor, this this general, this king in his procession, having a host of captives. There's Some people believe that those hosts of captives are also possibly the saints that he's taking with him. Okay, there's a, it's unclear, but one thing that is very clear is that he's giving gifts to men. And that's us. He's giving gifts to the crowds, and we're the crowds around this processional. And in this case, he only lists a few of the gifts. And the gifts that he lists here are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. Okay, there are other gifts in our Bible. There are other lists of gifts. There are some of the gifts that, that are listed in other places are encouragement, helps, giving, service, faith, administration, and leadership. And what's cool about these various lists is that none of them are identical. And in fact, they're different. Right, that's the same thing. None of them are identical, and in fact, they're different. And the sense is that none of them are exhaustive, which opens the door for many, many, many more gifts that have been given to the local church that are a product of his victory, the spoils and the bounty that aren't listed even in our Bible, ways that we can serve one another in the local church so that we can be built up into a body that fits with the head. See how that all comes together? Man, it's a great, great picture. See, here's the thing I want you to understand is you've been given something for the purpose of serving and blessing someone else in the body of Christ. 
You've been given something or some things, some gifts. You've been a, given a complement of ways to serve and bless another person and the rest of the body at Cross Point Fellowship. And apparently a big part of the church being the church is folks serving one another in their gifting where each part is working properly. This image of the mature man receiving and giving vitality from the other parts of the body, like, build, like growing up in vigor, comes from every part doing its part. And that that matures us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, I don't know why we would have to call that rad. I'm going to call it just awesome. I'm going to call it that I, 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 would, I would really, really love to be part of a church like this. And I believe in some ways we have been in the last 16 years. Do we have room for growth here? Yes, absolutely. That's why we renew this thing every year. That's why we revisit these things every, every year. Because they matter and we forget. We get busy. We get caught up in other things. I was thinking about some of the reasons that folks may not identify or connect to this notion of something being given to you for the purpose of blessing someone else in the body. Okay, so here are a few thoughts I'm going to deal with. Here's the first one. You just don't know or understand this. Okay, if you're here this morning, you're like, okay, I didn't know this before this morning, and this is just the first I'm hearing it, so that's why I haven't done it. Okay, you know it now. There's something actually that happens in this passage according to verse 11 and 12 that there are apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers that are given to the saints to equip you. You're being equipped with this idea right now. So if you fit in that first group that says, well, I just didn't know or understand this, then that's what's happening right here in this very moment is you're being equipped with that knowledge. So see that you're being equipped with this idea today. Another reason... Why folks may not really walk in these gifts, the spoils and the bounty of war that's been passed out to you, is you may not know where to begin. It might seem daunting, this notion of stepping out in some specific, you know, bin-shaped gift, you know, or whatever shaped gift you think you might have. How do I know that I'm doing the right thing? Let me just encourage you with this notion. Every single week, nearly, we put needs and opportunities in front of our church family for how you can serve one another. That's your shape. They're shaped just like you. Step out in those needs and those opportunities that are put right in front of us week after week after week in children's, in youth, in adults, in whatever it might be, in service, in life group, whatever it might be. Step out in those opportunities and watch what God does with that. You want to know what, I, I, the way I would define gifting is where you step out and you apply yourself and you see an outcome that's greater than you. It's wonderful when you see it, and it will bless you in a way like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I haven't been walking this out for the many years or however many months or however long I've been a Christian. It will bless you. So if you don't, don't, don't know where to begin, just let's begin with some of the needs that are put in front of you from week to week. Here's another reason I think folks may not walk in their gifting, and no one would say this. I don't know if anybody that would just be this brash but this is, a, this is the way this plays out functionally, is basically what happens is a lot of times you say, well, my busyness, not business, but my busyness trumps your busyness. Okay, so I appreciate you serving and all, and I'm being blessed by your service, but my busyness is too important, so I don't have time to serve in those ways. And realize, man, that is just so selfish. 
I encourage you to repent of that notion today. If you can be really honest with yourself and think, and think that you're the only person busy, that the other people that are serving in the local church aren't busy as well. Cameron and Jamie are busy. Cameron raced home to gather up his family. Did you say bathe kids this morning and dress them so that they could race back up here and do this and this? I don't know of anyone that's serving at Crosspoint Fellowship that's not busy. It's a lie from Satan if you think you're the only person busy. Everyone's busy. Your busyness can't trump another person's busyness because that by part and parcel of being one body and being connected to one another, we invigorate, we innervate, we energize one another. And if someone says, well, my busyness is just more important than another person's busyness, man, we have got to repent of that if anyone has that notion. So that may be a reason that you're not serving, okay? Another reason that you may not be serving is you might just say, well, I really just don't care. Okay, you probably wouldn't be that honest either, but let's just, let me speak for somebody that might be in here and just say, you know, I, I don't fit in these other categories. Um, I don't really feel like I'm all that busy. I really just don't care that much. Let me just say this to you. I'm not sure church is for you. If you really don't care about exercising and using the spoils and bounty of the victory that our Christ won on the cross, that he's passed out to all of us for the benefit of building up the body and the bride of Christ, man, I'm not sure church is for you. I don't know what's for you. There's probably a club or something that you can be part of where you just receive week after week, week after week, and there's no return. There's nothing you ever have to give anyone else. A massage parlor, you have to give money. I, I, I can't think of anything where you at least don't exchange something. Just think about that for a moment. If you have the notion of church being just this place where you just receive week after week, week you drop your kids off. You hear a sermon week after week. Your kids are taught. Everyone's ministered to. And you never give? Man, please just be honest. Say, I really just don't care. And I would beg you and urge you, please repent of that too. In 2005, we thought it would be a church that would be totally rad. That would have people that said, I have a sense of responsibility in the local church. Christ has given me something, and I'm not just going to be a dead end. Of ministry. I'm not just going to be a sponge. I want to rebound ministry. I want to serve others in ways that will bless them as well. That is definition of church. If you don't have any space for that, you don't have any desire for that, if you don't care about that, then according to 1 John, you don't love other people. And according to 1 John also, you don't even love God. So church may not be the place for you. Man, I hope that you would do one thing and not the other. I hope you would. It's not saying that at all. What I would hope that you would do is repent of that kind of movement. That you would be equipped today through the teaching and preaching of the word and go, gulp, this is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Innervated, energized, connected, receiving vitality and life from one another, serving as we've been gifted. You will never feel satisfied. I'm going to give you this promise. You will never feel truly satisfied in a local church like you're useful, like you truly matter in and to the community of faith until you employ what God has given you to the benefit of the community of faith. Never. 
Okay, that's the first thing. And I'm going to spend just a moment praying for each of these things before we move to the next one. Okay? All right, so I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Lord, please deliver us from selfishness. Lord, please give us eyes to see this victory procession of the captives and this wonderful bounty and spoil that you have passed to the crowds and to the church in this case. Lord, I pray that this wonderfully ordinary but awesome idea of the gifts being given to bless one another will be something that compels us to serve one another in meaningful ways. Please animate us, energize us, so that we build ourselves up in love to the fullness of the stature and the measure of our Lord. I'm praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. The second thing that we thought in 2005 that's just truly rad that I think is still pretty awesome is that membership means that we commit financially to support the ministry of Crosspoint Fellowship through regular sacrificial giving. In 2005, we thought, "Ah, can we survive having a membership renewal? And in 2005 and every year since then, we thought, can we survive talking about money? (laughs) Because a lot of people will be like, oh, see, there you go. I knew you were going to do it at some point. Can we survive talking about money? Financial participation in the ministry of, of, uh, of, uh, of Crosswind Fellowship is part of building up the body of Christ. It is a very real part of building up the body of Christ. 16 of 38 parables are about money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of 10 verses deal directly with money. There are 500 verses in our Bible on prayer. There are less than 500 verses in our Bible on faith. There are 2,000 verses in our Bible having to deal with money and possessions. If you bristle at the mention of money in the local church, you would have been very uncomfortable with Jesus' preaching. He talked about it a lot. Because guess what? We love it a lot. (laughs) We love it. I want to show you something. Go ahead and put up that diagram, Jake. Fitting that Jake's putting this up there. His bride put this diagram together. I want to show you all something. I want to take a minute just to kind of acquaint you with this diagram. It's something that we've been working on as a staff. Annie's done the, the lion's share of the work. We had a meeting earlier this week where we talked through this and really spent some time. Or it was last week. Talk through some of the details that are connecting, uh, connected to this. I want you to think of this thing right here. I, I'm going to acquaint you with it, uh, but just think of it as a big disciple-making machine. Okay, this engine that's been built over the course of 16 years. Okay, If you all can't see it on the end, I hope that maybe we can figure out some way to get it to you. Okay, On the far left side, we have the nursery, zero to five years old. Uh, the things that go along with that are Bible study, nursery play dates. Uh, children's dedication is at the very, very beginning there. You know, we're talking in a perfect world. It doesn't always play out this way. Okay, children's dedication might be more like here or depending on when you come to the church or whatever. Uh, kids point, 6 to 11 years, Bible study, kids point worship, BBS, preteen camp. Uh, youth, 11 through 17 years, Bible study, youth camp. We'll be at uh, Shepherd of the Ozarks next summer. Tremendous expense involved with that. I mean, I want my kids to be part of something excellent. And you throw change at something and you shouldn't be surprised if it's crummy. Excellent things cost money. 
they cost money. Shepherd of the Ozarks next summer. Uh, this fall, we're doing uh, the fall retreat. It's called a micro camp. Also involves money. We're asking parents to be involved in that. We're asking students to be involved in that. Our students, by the way, are going to be fundraising for the next, I don't know, however many months leading up to Soto to offset the cost so y'all don't have to, to, to pitch in. $4,500 a bunch of high school students are going to be raising and junior high students are going to be raising. Okay? All those things cost money. D-Now, uh, Ignite Weekend in the uh, winter. Uh, over here is adults. We've got Bible study, young adult, ladies' ministry, men's ministry. We could add in there authentic uh, men study. All those things cost money. Okay, I, I can't tell you how often we're meeting and having some conversation about one thing or another, and immediately we think, well, what, what resources do we have to work with? Do we have enough money for this? We had a meeting with uh, Children Evangel Child Evangelism Fellowship. Is that what the acronym stands for? Uh, Tracy and I and um, Annie uh, met with these two ladies this week just to kind of hear what they're doing and hear how it works and in hopes of maybe connecting to our apartment ministry across the street. Guess what? All those things cost money. They cost money. And guess what? It costs money to provide, at least in this case, for Ben and Annie to not be at work so that we would actually be at this work over here having time to do that. Tracy took time out of her day. All those things cost money. This thing up here, I just want to acquaint you a little more with this engine. Uh, this thing that would be bathed, you could kind of have behind, um, almost faded in behind all this, is the teaching and preaching of the Word weekly, week in, week out. Teaching and preaching of the Word. Worship. Worship in song that goes week in, week out. It goes on Wednesday nights. Man, it, it is everywhere and bathed in all these fellowship. All these things are all behind this life groups and service. This disciple-making engine is a great visual of all the things going on at Crosspoint Fellowship, all of which cost money. And that's what we all participate in. I like the thought of us being fleeced at some point by a rich, aging couple that just loves children. Wouldn't that be kind of, kind of handy for the rest of us? For us, Especially the folks with young kids. You're like, man, that'd be awesome. If some family, some couple, you know, a Hilton. What if a, the guy Hilton just passed away this week? Didn't he? Uh, the heir, he wasn't the heir. He was the, the main guy. He passed away. If he just, just left all that to cross one fellowship, and then, man, we could just have a ball. Right? But that hadn't happened. Because the body is supposed to take care of the body. When every part in the body is working together, the body is built up. Our ministries is what we're talking about here this morning. This slide up here is an engine that's been built over 17 years that not only has money behind it, has people behind it. Has you behind it. Or not. I mean, really. Ideally, has money and people behind it. This is a disciple-making machine. My encouragement to you this morning, you can go ahead and take that down. Take the, uh, turn that off. My encouragement to you this morning as we're talking about money is just to consider the notion of sacrificial giving and sacrificial involvement in the local church. That's something that we thought rad in 2005. And I still like the thought of it because I believe it's a biblical notion. And we're not talking about the three-legged, one-eyed, buck-tooth lamb kind of giving. Remember, we, we joked about the one-legged Lamb, remember we joked about that a few weeks ago, accidentally, one-legged, I meant to say one-eyed. Here you go, God. I'll give you whatever I have left over 
I got this ugly critter over here. I'll do all the things that I want to do over the course of the week and the month and the year. And then whatever's left over, I'll give you out of that. And then you expect something awesome and great in the local church. It just doesn't work that way. And I've got to let you know that's not worship. That's not worship. Worship, by definition, is saying something's going to be sacrificial. If it's worship, it's going to be the unblemished lamb. It's going to be that upfront offering. That's the way Christy and I give. That's the way a lot of other people in this church give, I think. Right off the top, we give this amount week after week or month after month, pay period after pay period. And then we do all the things with the rest of it. And, man, God blesses that for us as a family, and I think he blesses the local church when the local church moves that way. When members say, I want to be part of something rad like that. All that we do, people, is fueled by the efforts and resources of God's people for the advancement of God's kingdom and his glory in Hunt County. And we're inundated with opportunities right in front of us. And they all require people, your involvement, your presence, and your and our resources. If we have a smaller church because we talked about those things, then we need a smaller church. Let's pray. Lord, please work in us as you've worked for many years, creating and building up a people who are big-hearted and open-handed. Please keep us from just collecting more stuff. Please fix our eyes on eternal realities so that we see with the eyes of faith and then move accordingly with our time and with our money for your glory and for your kingdom. Here's the third thing. Membership means we commit to honor Christ through regular worship attendance, helping hold one another accountable to the ministry of attendance. Attendance matters at Crosspoint Fellowship. Attendance matters at Crosspoint Fellowship. We thought that was rad in 2005. I still think it's pretty awesome now in 2019. Attendance matters at Crosspoint Fellowship. The whole notion of I want to find a church that doesn't care whether I'm there or not, that doesn't even notice whether I come or go, Just realize how ridiculous that is. I hope that you don't want to be part of that. I hope you'd want to be part of a church that's not busybody and managing you, but that is encouraging you where you might be part of that vacuum that's sucking you right back into the world. Man, attendance matters to us. Here's some reasons that folks, uh, uh, you need to know that, that church attendance across the board in the United States is decreasing. Not just in one denomination, but in all denominations. Church attendance is decreasing, okay, not increasing. I found an article that addressed 10 reasons. Greater affluence. We've got more money to do more things. We've got more opportunities. We've got a buffet of things that we can do because we have money to go spend on those activities. Okay, that's one thing. Higher focus on kids' activities. Man, that's, even in the last 16 years, there's been a significant change in our community. 16 years ago when we came to Greenville, Wednesday nights were off limits for school and church and our school and sports. They were off limits. Y'all remember that? People that lived here that long? Man, Wednesday nights were like crickets and everybody moved to the local church. School didn't, schools didn't mess with it. Sports didn't mess with it. Things have changed in 16 years. Nothing's off limits. Sunday morning would have been unthinkable for, the, for extracurricular type, type activities. Now, man, it is common place more travel okay that probably goes along with more money blended and single parent families 
online options, okay, going back to the blended and single parent families, it's probably a, a lot harder for one parent or for a blended family to just mobilize everybody to get them to the local church. Okay, online options is another, another thing. The virtual world in the last 16 years has become almost reality for people. Okay, so folks chime in and jump in to the virtual version of what we're doing right here. They listen to the sermon or they watch the video and they feel like they've done it. They missed out on the supper. They missed out on the fellowship. They missed out on the God inhabiting the presence of his people. They missed out on all the things, the bumping elbows, the, the laugh, the cry, the noisy kid. They missed out on all of that. But they feel like because they participated virtually that they've done it. Man, that's a great reason. People say, eh, it's just easier. I can just pull it up online. Uh, here's another one, the cultural disappearance of guilt. 16 years ago when we first moved here, I remember there were occasions where I might have to cut my grass on Sunday just because it just ended up being Sunday. And I remember being like really nervous about it. Like I got to try and figure out a time of day where there's nobody out on the street, you know, because I was like really like guilty. When I was a kid growing up, my dad would say, hey, I can go hunting, but don't let anybody know you went hunting on Sunday. I mean, I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't call a friend. I had to go by myself, you know. Things have changed. Man, now there's no guilt at all associated with missing church on Sunday morning. And in fact, in some ways, it's celebrated. I had an awesome day today. It's published for the world to know when they weren't at church. Man, the cultural disappearance of guilt is sure. Self-directed spirituality. I don't need y'all to help me with my faith thing. I got it going on. That's as old as faith. I suspect. Okay, that's not a new thing. Failure to see direct benefit. Okay, I don't really have any needs that I feel like are being met in that time, so I don't really feel like I need to gather. Here's another one. Valuing attendance over engagement. That's resulted in a decline in attendance because attendance will not go the distance. You're eventually going to get tired of me if you haven't yet. I promise you, if you're attending and you've been attending, you're like, man, I kind of like that preaching, or I like that music, you're going to get tired of the worship team, or, or, or you're gonna, something's going to change, or you're going to get tired of me, or somebody else's. That is not the glue. That's not the glue for the local church. The, local, or the glue for the local church is actually connecting and being members of one another, like the thigh bone is connected to the leg bone. And that's how the innervating and the energizing and the vitality happens. And that can happen when you're only attending. So it's a matter of time before you're out. It's an express ticket to getting bored and leaving. And the last thing that was in the list of 10 is just a cultural shift, that our just culture is different. We are living, I think, and Scott and I have talked about this at length over the last 16 years, we're living in an environment that seems like it's growing increasingly post-Christian. If you ever visit Germany, that's a place that's truly post-Christian. Christian, these beautiful cathedrals and churches that have been turned into theaters and coffee shops. Man, our culture is certainly a contributor. Whatever the culture says, though, whatever the reasons that we might list, we have believed for the last 16 years that attendance matters, and I hope we're still naive enough to believe it is. I've heard two objections over the years, really, uh, really one, but I want to speak to two objections. This is the first of those two, but I have work. But I have work, and that just makes it really hard. 
Okay, let me just speak to that. Some professions don't allow for weekly attendance. They really don't. Uh, first responders, uh, I guess included in that would be fire, uh, law enforcement, medical, some of the medical, particular medical fields, uh, security. Uh, you have schedules that, that's part and parcel to that calling. And, man, we should be thankful for folks sacrificially saying, I'm going to do that even though it means that I can't be there every single Sunday. Okay, but the rest of us, most folks have a lot of flexibility in what happens on Sunday mornings. I think most jobs have room for Sundays being off or at the very least Sunday mornings being off. It's surprising to me how often if I'm talking with someone uh, who says, hey, man, you ask them, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you in the last few weeks. Like, well, i got a new schedule, and uh, my boss uh, has me working on Sundays. I'm like, oh, well, I guess, did you ask him? Did you ask him if you could have off? Did you ask him if that was a possibility? And he didn't even ask. Let me just encourage you to ask. You have a lot of, a lot of jobs and a lot of bosses that would say, sure. You want to do that for religious reasons and faith reasons? Sure, go take that time, and then I'll see you at 1, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Or I'll see you Monday morning, first thing, or whatever, whatever you agree to. Just ask. And I encourage you, if you have some flexibility in there, use the flexibility so that you can gather regularly with God's people. And if you find yourself in a job where you're just gone on Sundays, period, I want to just encourage you to consider a different job. You wouldn't be the first person that's walked away from a job so that you could walk out faith with the people of God. The early church, they lost everything when they followed Christ. Their lives, many of them, were enmeshed in the commerce of pagan worship. And I'm talking in Ephesus and places like that. I'm talking a major contributor. They would probably be like seriously rich. And if they followed Christ, it would mean not only their riches, but also their provision for their family. So you, you, would, go, you would join a host of, of great witnesses. If you were one that said, I think I'm going to look for a different job if I can't be there on Sunday mornings. The other uh, objection that I, I guess I'll address uh, that hopefully I can be really careful with because it's, I have a fear about hurting anybody's feelings, but I also have a fear about not speaking the truth in love. That's part of this passage too. And not being faithful to my calling. Okay, here's the other concern. But my team needs me. Okay, the first one was, but I have work. This one's a different issue, but my team needs me. I'm the striker or the goalie, or I'm the forward or I'm the pitcher, and my team will suffer without me. Let me set your mind at ease first before anybody throws anything at me. Okay? Please keep this attitude as you play sports with local teams. Please, because it sounds Christian. It sounds like you're being considerate, and you are. I'm not just saying it just sounds like it in some faux way. It actually is. Please carry that mindset into that environment, because what you're doing when you say that is you're saying the thigh bone is going to have a trouble this weekend if the leg bone is not there and the knee bone is not there. And I'm the knee bone and I need to be there. Okay, that is, you're being very considerate and I want to encourage you. And a lot of our folks that have kids that are participating in different sports uh, very much treat that as evangelism. I want to engage people that don't know Christ in those contexts. Man, let me fan the flame of that. That is seriously commendable and praiseworthy and lovely. I love 
every bit of that. I just want to ask you to consider this. Consider, though, taking the same thoughtfulness regarding your team and their need for you to be there and apply it to this team. Apply it to this thing, this faith venture, and our need for you here. Take that same thoughtfulness and wonder, what's the leg bone going to do if the thigh bone is gone in youth, in here? This could apply to guys that are like big time into hunting as well. You shouldn't ask the question, how many Sundays can my kid or go, or can my husband go, or can I go before I forget Jesus and don't love him anymore? How many Sundays can I miss? What you should ask is maybe another question, or maybe that question also, but ask this one as well. How many Sundays can the body do without the thigh bone? How many Sundays can the body limp around without the leg bone there because the leg bone is off doing something else? Ask both questions. Please ask both questions. How many Sundays can the leg bone go without the thigh bone there to vitalize it and to invigorate it? I want you to consider, if you would, the profound testimony to your work and to your team when you make corporate worship a priority. It is a profound statement because something profound is happening here. Something profound is happening here that can't happen if you're not here. You can't get it through the online recorded version. That's not reality. The virtual world is not reality. The supper is right here. It's right here. There are things that happen in here, right here, with us in this weekly meal. God says, I'm going to be there. The supper's here. We sing together. We are stirred together. We're renewed together. We're galvanized together as we hear each other sing about the greatness of God. And God inhabits those praises. Man, yes, please, I want to be part of a church that says that's rad and I want to be part of it if I'm able. If it's possible for me to be there, I want to be there because something rad is happening there. Something awesome is happening there. The preaching of the word is here and it's more than just a transfer of information. There's something happening here. We're presenting and sharing Christ each week in the exposition of God's word. Attendance matters to Crosspoint Fellowship. Eric Liddell, or Little, I'm not sure how you'd pronounce his name, of Chariots of Fire fame, was the best, maybe one of the most famous runners in Scottish history. And he wouldn't race on Sunday. Man, is this the standard? I don't know. It's not necessarily a standard for me. He had a chance to win a gold medal. He was the favored guy for the 100-meter dash in the 1924 Olympics. And he said, no, I'm not going to race on Sunday. And he passed on it. I think I'd have, I'd have run it, I'd have run it for, for the Lord's name and been there the next Sunday in my church holding out the gold medal. But, man, you've got to applaud, applaud the guy, his commitment, seriously. For faith reasons, he made a profound statement to a watching world while being an incredible athlete. 
He ended up dying as a missionary in China as a relatively young man. He died at an internment camp. And he was asked once if he ever regretted his decision to leave behind the fame and glory of athletics. He responded, I just hear a Scottish brogue here. It's natural for a chap to think over all that sometimes, but I'm glad I'm at the work I'm engaged in now. A fellow's life counts far more at this than at the other. A passage that's dear to our church, it's dear um, to many of us, I think, is in Hebrews. The let us is of Hebrews. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast together. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, please stir us to gather weekly. Lord, I pray that you would give us collectively and individually as families wisdom to discern when and how and for how long to miss gathering with your people. Lord, please give us eyes to see the invisible but eternal work that you're doing every week when we gather. I'm praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. The last one is quick and brief. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, those last few verses beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. It's a fitting response. Based on what he said so far, don't walk as the Gentiles do. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have them given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus Christ to put off your old humanity. To put off your old self. Okay, to put off the old man. He's been talking man here. This man that I asked you to envision early on, he's saying put off the old man. That happens at the point of conversion. When you trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, that is a point in time event. In the original Greek, that's what's called an aorist tense. It means it's punctiliar. Bam! You put off the old man. Okay, let's see what he says next. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Okay, hold on to that just for a minute. And to put on the new man, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Putting on the new, new man is also aorist tense. Punctiliar. Bam! At the point of conversion. You've put off the old man. I'm not part of that body anymore. And I'm putting on this new body. And what's central to that is renewing your, the spirit of your minds is a present tense ongoing verb. That takes place in the life of the church. That takes place when we gather week after week is you're being renewed in the spirit of your minds. It's like the Romans passage that speaks to the very same matter in Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you in view of what I just discussed in the last 11 chapters. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
man, this is something that matters to Crosspoint Fellowship. We will be serious about growing and maturing in our faith. Bible study and teaching times are a priority at Crosspoint Fellowship. We want week after week for it to be not average, but excellent and thorough and meaty and hearty where you walk away going, oh, I got something to eat there. I got some goods. We want it week after week to be something that equips martyrs. People won't die for wafer-thin Tic Tacs each week. That doesn't equip martyrs. Hopefully what we're engaging and enjoying as a church, as a members, is something that will equip martyrs to go the distance being faithful whatever it costs us. Let me pray. Lord, please create and sustain in us and even increase in us a strong appetite for the renewing of our minds and spirits. Please keep us right here in your word with nothing more and nothing less than a weekly meal on a living word from you. Praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. There is a temptation to lower the bar below the biblical member of one another type development in our passage. In our Bibles. That's a strong temptation, y'all. You need to understand that. It's a temptation for me because I'm wondering this morning how many toes did I step on? And how many will it cost not seeing you again? There's a strong temptation to lower the bar below the biblical members of one another church in hopes of offending fewer and drawing more. Our burden in 2005 is, I believe, our burden still in 2019 that we pursue quality commitments over quantity attendance. Quality commitments over quantity attendance. Hopefully we are serving one another with our gifts, with our financial involvement in the ministry, with the ministry of attendance and presence, like incarnate presence with one another and a Bible-devouring approach to ministry. Man, that's all we got. We're one-trick ponies. That's all they do. They just talk about them. They just unpack that Bible week after week. They talk about what's in there, and they aim to walk it out. Man, that's enough for me. That's rad. A desire, I believe, uh, that hopefully has been conveyed this morning is that we would be faithful and true more than we would be big and popular. Faithful and true more than we'd be big and popular. I'd rather have 20 of us that actually make quality commitments to one another than having 300 of us, 500 of us that are just lightly connected and just attending and just showing up. That's a crowd. That's not a church. Man, membership matters. The Lord gave the seven churches in Revelation report cards, and they were all over the map. Just the idea of our Lord giving our church a report card I, makes me sort of quicken. I hope that when the day comes, it will be found to be a mature man, proportionate to the stature and fullness of Christ. And that's our burden. That's what this membership thing is about. Nobody's counting heads. Nobody's putting notches in the gun. That's not what this thing is about. It's about quality life together because Christ is worth it. Let's pray.